Welcome to Podcast Rebellion, everyone. This is Juco All-American, joined as always by Whiskey Wednesday. Tonight we are talking about a crushing defeat at the hands of Alabama uh, and looking ahead at the LSU game. First, we're, as always, talking about what we're drinking. I am drinking a, uh, I mean, it's a margarita. I'm trying to remember the name of the tequila. Uh, but yeah, uh, while I think about that, it has, I actually have the, uh, the mar- margarita salt on the rim, which I think is pretty neat. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. I, I, I'm a bit of a sucker for a margarita, and I don't even mean, like, the fancy you make it yourself, like. A margarita mix and tequila, I'm game. I, I I love it. Oh man, dude! Like any Mexican restaurant I enter, like margaritas better watch out. You know, mm-hmm. how can you not? Yeah, I think you got to go on the rocks. I think the the frozen marg is a, is a fool's game. But I don't in know what you're talking about. In a restaurant, yeah. absolutely. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. That is that is an icy, my friend. <laughs> um. Anyway, I'm drinking uh, a, a a poverty glass of very cheap Sauvignon Blanc. Uh, I had a frozen pizza for dinner uh, to, to complete the you know the you know bachelor kind of meal that I'm going for, and decided to complement it with some red wine. Yeah, boy dinner, boy dinner. We should get the SEO mm-hmm. optimization thing. We can <laughs> name the podcast episode "Boy Dinner." Uh, yeah, um, you know, I think that I I rarely like reach for wine, but then I think that when I drink a red wine, even if it's not, I mean, I am not a wine snob in any way. Like I, I will just think anything is fine and tastes like grapes. Um, but uh, I, I'm always like, oh, you know, I should drink wine more often, but I just kind of don't really go there for whatever reason. Yeah, the... Um... The trade-off in um, how good it is and how strong it is versus how crappy it can make you feel in the morning, uh, yeah, especially thing, as we get into our 30s, um, it's not always worth it. Well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. I don't have a good segue, but let's talk about Alabama. Let's talk about it. Um. So, uh, I, I like to think that, or I, I like to try to convince myself that injuries made a huge difference, and Priestcorn and Franklin and Harris, or at least Franklin and Harris not being really like full go, and apparently Aiden Williams being sick, um, that those things played a, a larger factor than maybe I knew at the time, but I kind of don't think they did. Um, I would agree. Uh, I would agree with you, except for Trey Harris being out. I, I think that continues to be something that's really hanging up the the offense. Uh, I think he would have helped us score another touchdown. Probably. I, I don't think it made the difference in the game. Um, yeah, to me, it it felt like overall a flat effort rather than something systemically wrong with the team or like a distinct lack of talent across the board. Obviously, there's some some weak spots we can get into, but to me, it just felt like we came out flat and you know 
just the pace of the game didn't go our way. Yeah. And you know, the coaches were flat in some ways and we will talk about that too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Jackson Dart picked a really bad time to have a bad game. Uh, and I guess like bad is relative. It's not like he was awful or something like that, but uh, you know, his, his worst performance of the season uh, came at the, at the worst time. Yeah. And you would certainly credit Alabama's secondary and pass rush for a lot of that. Um, I mean, with, with a cornerback like Kool-Aid McKinstry, you really have to be disciplined and just know where he is and not throw the ball at him almost all the time, uh, which has got to be tough. Um, and then there are five sacks and some of them were, I don't know. They're mostly coverage sacks. Honestly, they weren't just lookout blocks. Nobody's there or Jackson dart holding the ball way too long. Like they would show downfield and there would be nobody open. Yeah, definitely. Uh, people couldn't get open, which I guess does, get at the idea that Trey Harris and a healthier Franklin could have made more of a difference. Um, I just, I think the offensive line is a, a huge, huge problem and that it's going to continue to be a problem and it's not something that's going to really be fixed. Now, I don't think it's going to continue to be a huge enough problem that we average 1.9 yards per rush for the rest of the season or something like that, like we averaged against Alabama. But we haven't had a strong rushing performance outside of Jackson Dart this entire year. Uh, that's true. That's true. I'm I'm of the opinion that the offensive line is slightly better than last year's version. I I think just the sheer number of total blown pass blocking assignments last year made it pretty hard to. I don't know, pick that unit even as dominant as they could be run blocking. Um, and I think this this line still has some room for improvement too. I mean, overall, yeah, they're bad. They're not good. But last year was a disaster, and I'm thinking this this group has a chance to be better than a disaster. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean... It doesn't really make sense that they can't run on anyone. I mean, you know, if it was just Alabama that they had struggled to run against, you'd say like, okay, well, whatever. There are five-star athletes across the board. But Tulane and Georgia Tech were also tough to run against. So, you know, maybe there's something that they'll figure out over time and become better at. But if this offense is just forced to make do all of its damage through the air, it's just not going to work. I mean, like... Jackson Dart's good, but this offense is not really built to throw for 400 yards. Um, it kind of doesn't doesn't want to have to do that. No, especially given the relatively small amount of chemistry between Dart and his most talented receivers and tight ends. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. he just hasn't had a, a lot of time to to work with. Trey Harris, who was out all spring, and Zachary Franklin, who, you know, wasn't at practice until end of the season, you know, two, three weeks into the season. Um, so, yeah, just not 
a recipe for like an efficient passing offense. I, I think we'll continue to make big plays through the air, but I think being high percentage is, is going to be tough. Yeah. Um, what was your perce- uh, perception of priest corn and Franklin? Uh, I mean, Franklin, it didn't look like he could do much of anything. He had one, one nice catch in the game, yeah. but yeah. overall it, it looked like, I think McKinstry was guarding him most of the time. Mm-hmm. And also it's his first game back. There's got to be a conditioning component as well. You know, even, even with those guys like being peak athletes and spending time on bikes and stuff like that, that's different than being on the field. Uh, yeah. So too early to tell Prescorn, I mean, he had one nice catch and run and then I didn't really notice anything else about him. I, I tried to like mark what he was doing as a blocker, but for me, it's hard to focus on like one block in the the wider context of the game. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. something I'd like to rewatch and see. Yeah, I, me too. Um, obviously, the running game didn't really get going, so you you would be, I guess, you would lean towards assuming that he didn't do well, but that's not really fair. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think so. One bright spot in the rushing attack, Quinchon Judkins had a couple of really dynamic runs that we, you know, haven't seen as much of this year. I think probably his his two best runs of the of the year so far were both against Alabama, which is, you know, a pretty good sign. There's that one where the line, I don't know, just the defensive line closed off every hole, and he appeared to be, you know, stopped right at the line but then had kind of like an awkward stumble stayed on his feet and then worked around for like, I don't know, 20 something yard run. Um, I don't know if you remember that, but it was, yeah. Yeah. It was pretty right. Yeah. And yeah, just incredible balance, incredible acceleration and vision to find his way out of that, you know, another zero yard gain. Yeah. I, I mean, he definitely played his best game. Um, it still wasn't like any sort of prolific game or something like that. Um, but, but you're right. I mean, seeing, seeing a few good runs from him was, was an encouraging thing. I just think that like we're four games in <laughs> and he's a pre- preseason all American. He's not going to finish as a postseason all American. I can tell you that. Um, no. so, uh, Dayton Wade is somebody else that I wanted to talk about, led the team in receiving. Um, <laughs> it's funny because like, I kind of thought Dayton Wade would really struggle in this matchup. Because uh, Alabama is just historically difficult to kind of exploit with a guy who is not a physical match for uh, Alabama, if that makes sense. Um, sure. But he didn't. I mean, he he did really well in like yards after the catch. I mean, they schemed him open on one particular cool play um, where he sort of ran like a drag and they had gotten everybody out and the linebacker like let him go for some reason. And then he was wide open, but he had other plays as well that were, you know, doing stuff, making guys miss all that sort of thing. Um, I I love his ability. I think that he's a huge addition to the team. I like many kind of wish that he was not a first option uh, on, on most plays. Um, But, you know, we have, we could do a lot worse than Nathan Wade. Yeah. His, individual contribution his like individual efforts to to make this team better and to 
you know, manufacture uh, the passing game. It, it's phenomenal. I mean, him and Jordan Watkins both. Um, he's been a little more dynamic than than Watkins. Watkins seems like the the second option at this point. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, man, both of those guys are, are putting a lot on their backs um, in situations they probably didn't expect to be in. Um, I mean, maybe they did expect to be the top two receivers on the team, but they probably shouldn't have expected that. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. Uh, they're playing way above their head, and it's it, it's really cool to see. Yeah. Um, only other thing that I wanted to talk about for the offense and we'll move on to the defense um, is, you know, some weird play calling. Um, obviously, the coaches are much better play callers than I am. Uh, so I'm not trying to make some absurd statement about, like, anybody could, you know, run Quinch on Judkins, whatever. Um, but uh, especially in the fourth quarter, um, it was just it was very strange. Like we did not operate like a team that's down two scores uh, when we were down two scores with not as much time as we needed left. Um, And I think that like, there are plenty of other things to criticize like predictability and uh, you know, why, why did we go so pass happy early and like all those sorts of things. Right. But to me, the biggest thing is like what on earth happened on our last couple of drives of, of the entire game. Yeah, I don't know. There were a couple of times where I was pretty confident that our ball carrier got out of bounds and that they continued running the clock. That correct me if I'm wrong. That's that's still supposed to stop the clock, right? I know first downs no longer stop the clock except inside of 2 minutes, but So so you you mentioned this to me and I thought that um out of bounds now no longer stop the clock until there are less than two minutes. Uh, you would think that I would know this um, because I, I've watched a lot of football uh, already this, this year. Uh, but yeah, there, there's a new rule um, that only, I believe the, the clock only stops when they're out of bounds with two minutes left, or it could also be that, it stops until they're able to set the ball. So out of bounds now, like, is treated like first downs were last season. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there were a couple instances where, I don't know, we, we ran the ball out of bounds or near the sideline at least. And then it just took a long time for the ball to get spotted. Uh-huh. And then... And then we still weren't immediately ready, but I don't know. I just, I see some weird things with how officiating crews manage um, ball spotting and, and, you know, standing over the ball and allowing defensive substitutions and stuff like that. Like, man, that, that sucks. If you're going to run the clock, you can't also stand over the ball. I don't know. To me, that's, that is trash. Uh, (laughs) That's something that they really need to fix or, I don't know. Like, yeah, I think if those rules remain in place, it changes some teams, at least uh, offensive philosophy in, uh-huh. and probably including ours. I think a hurry up offense, the, the philosophy behind it is you give yourself more opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you run more plays. 
Uh, you have more total possessions in the game. Uh, and with those clock rules bleeding away so many of those, that just it changes the calculus a little bit. Uh, how, I'm not totally sure, but man, yeah, it, it felt like even if we had magically gotten our offense together, we probably would have run out of time. Yeah, I agree. Quarter, yeah. I agree. Um, yeah, I mean, we don't know who calls what and all that sort of thing, but whatever it is, it's not really working at the moment. Um, and, you know, there's still plenty of season to turn that around. Ole Miss is 3-1. and one. Uh, I don't want to overstate that, uh, the, the problems there. But, um, yeah, not encouraging in that way. Um, let's talk about the defense, because I think that, obviously, the, they ended up sort of giving up some things late in the game. But, really, probably their best performance, and I think that Alabama's offense is not good. And I don't just mean, like, not good for Alabama. I don't think it's a good offense overall, but, um, but I thought that the defense at times was like really much better than I expected them to be. Um, obviously, obviously Sunter and Perkins, like, gosh, I, I'm sure the guy has lost some and his head is swimming and all that sort of stuff, but please just play him. Please play him. Yeah. The more he plays, the faster he will catch on. You would think, uh, and also, he just makes good things happen all the time anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he, he has the ability to teleport, so that's, that's yeah. really helpful. And you know, like, he's good enough and at a vital enough position where you can afford to make defensive calls that tailor specifically to him, that, that are easy for him to remember and, and read. Uh and still have success. Yeah. I mean, he had things like things like spying the quarterback going on, you know, blitzes, uh, doing a, you know, run blitz or whatever, like simple assignments, just like give him something where he can do something disruptive. And that's seems to be doing great at it. Yeah. I mean, two sacks on the day, uh, and they were both really nice. Uh, not some sort of like, Oh, another guy ran him out and, Perkins happened to be there. Like he got to the backfield, got in the backfield and rocked Milrow. Yeah. Milrow's an athletic guy too. Like he, yeah. his intermediate passing game is very bad, but he is a super athlete. Uh, and we didn't really let him kill us with his legs. And like you said, Perkins just like hunted him down. Like he was like, an NFL quarterback from the eighties, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. just like immediately, you know, stop it. I mean, it was cool to see. Yeah. Um, I, I think in general, the linebacker play was better than I expected it to be. Uh, I think Kari Coleman did some good stuff. There was one particular play on the, it wasn't on the goal line, but it was actually, it was after, uh, Alabama had snapped the ball over Milrow's head. Uh, it was on like a third and maybe five on third and goal from the five or whatever. They ran their running back on like what almost was like a delayed screen or something like that. And it was definitely going to be open. Um, but Kari Coleman just like immediately saw what was happening and ran with the running back, forcing Milrow to tuck it 
and try to run. And then we ate it up and he couldn't do it. Um, but probably saved us a score with that, with that read. Um, and obviously that's, that's cool. Uh, I, I don't know. I think that we hated on, or at least I've hated on the run, the linebackers a bit this season and they, they did better than I expected against Alabama. Yeah, I'd agree. And honestly, like I've, I've noticed Coleman all season as making some, some flashy plays, uh, I mean, not an expert, but to me, he seems like our best overall linebacker and then probably Perkins right behind him. I mean, and I think, I think that's starting to show in the rotation as well. I know, I know Coleman and Perkins were on the field in the, during the first drive. Uh, I think both started um, and that's shoot, man. I think they're our two best. They're certainly our, physically two best uh coleman if you remember um was projected to be like a, a high draft pick as as kind of a you know pass rushing outside linebacker um you know when he was set to transfer to Ole Miss, he was like a guy that we were thinking was going to be like insanely good um and i don't think he's that good but i think his physical potential is still there yeah yeah um Okay, uh, let's actually, I guess, just wrap up the Alabama game. Um, thoughts on Lane Kiffin. I think that both of us in the moment kind of felt some feelings about Lane Kiffin. Um, me less so than you. Uh, but I wonder if you have had a chance to kind of reassess that at all, or if you think that that was sort of a you know reasonable thing and then what i what i'm referring to is kind of a like maybe this isn't this is just not going to work kind of kind of thing you know yeah i mean that's a very difficult question i think lane kiffin is is our best bet at head coach but sometimes it frustrates me because it it seems like he doesn't he doesn't feel the need to prove himself or to prove his worth or something it's it's hard to put into words exactly but i don't know it's a coach we're paying top 5 or whatever money to and it's like oh well well you know we just, we weren't very good this week i guess we'll we'll go get him next time you know, we have yeah. these serious issues that I will maybe, maybe not address over the off season or, you know, whatever. It's just kind of a nonchalance about, non, I'm not saying he, need, he needs to be this like rageaholic coach who thinks football is the most important thing in the universe. Because that's not the case. And that's kind of one of the things that I like about him. But I think sometimes he takes it a little too far. I don't know it just seems like it was a, a very flat effort for such an important game. And it didn't really seem to bother him that much that it was such a flat effort. Yeah. Uh, my concern about Kiffin in that particular situation is actually isolated to Bama. I just think that the Alabama game messes him up. 
the pressure. There's something about it with Nick Saban and all that sort of thing that just makes him different. I mean, the approach is different. It's always like have to pull up. Like we had the weird drive on or weird play on the second drive where we like lined up like it was all 11 or something like that. You know, the old like thing that never really worked out that like was supposed to revolutionize football where like the offensive line lines up over on the left side and then a receiver comes in motion and they snap it or something like, and that was the thing that actually was an illegal procedure. So they, they, it didn't even count. It was like five yard penalty, but like we we shouldn't do that. Like just play football. Um, Yeah. yeah, Frustrating. Have you, have you ever seen that work? Like, I don't know. No. To me, Whenever I see it, it's like a highlight of like, look, this comical disaster of a play. (laughs) Exactly. Or it goes for like four yards. It's like, well, that wasn't really worth it. No, no. Like how much practice time did you waste on that particular look? You know, I mean. Right. Okay. Uh, So let's talk about LSU. Actually, before we go there, um, it's being reported that Michael Trigg and Reginald Hughes are off the team for, I guess, either kicked off, quit, whatever. Um, I don't really care. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I keep picking Josh Gordon for fantasy football uh, to this day. And, you know, for that same reason, I was holding out hope that Michael Trigg would would pan out for, for Ole Miss, but... Doesn't seem like that's that's going to be the case, but I'll never lose faith. Uh, no, I, I've I'm 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 giving up on on Trig. Obviously, he's not on the team. Uh, but yeah, how unfortunate, man! Like all these reports at different times during the off season, it's like, oh, he's really putting it together. He his efforts a lot better, and then just nothing came of it. And then Reginald Hughes like was supposed to be starting at that you know, Jack position. Um, and I think maybe did start or at least play a good bit the first couple of games, but I don't know, not, not a huge loss for either of them, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. It, it must be hard as a football player, you know, especially as a, an elite football player to balance your expectations and ego with the reality of what's unfolding before you. Um, but it's tough, man. There's lots of guys willing to, to take your spot, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think a general rule of thumb is if you are a junior college player and you redshirt your first year, that's probably a bad sign. Um, and that's what happened to, to Reginald Hughes. Um, Michael Trigg, super athlete maybe not an especially good football player and certainly also um, seemingly not the best attitude. Yeah. I mean, it just seemed like knowing assignments was a big, big issue for him. And I don't know. I think probably it's an issue for, Several players on the offense to some degree, but not to that degree. Yeah. Um, okay. I don't want to spend any more time on that. No. <laughs> Let's talk about LSU. Uh, 
So, obviously, LSU, it has been a long time since they were were bad, and they're they're quite good this year. I guess it hasn't been that long. Coach O's last year, they were bad. Uh, but, you know, in general, they're, they're quite good. Um, they got blown out by Florida State in week one, 45-24. But they've beaten Grambling, uh, Mississippi State, 41-14. And then this past week, Arkansas, 34-31. Uh, what are your general thoughts around LSU? Like, the the matchup that they pose or in terms, I guess like the, the threat that they pose in general. Uh, and then we can talk a little bit more about them in detail. I have some, some fun statistics to throw out, but we'll get there. Um, is, is one of those statistics, how Ole Miss fares against running quarterbacks who also complete more than 70% of their passes because <laughs> I think it is a terrible matchup for Ole Miss, and yeah, 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 yeah. I, I don't know why I talked myself into feeling good about it a couple of weeks ago, but no, man, this is this has big fat L written all over it. Yeah, the LSU uh, the LSU offense is really good. Uh, I mean, they're not like a top five offense in football statistically or anything like that, but they've also only played one easy team, um, and so like some statistics you kind of have to throw out. Yeah, for sure. Especially, you know, since those easy teams, a lot of, a lot of teams front load their schedule with, with those games. And so makes it harder to judge, but yeah, man, Jaden Daniels, like we saw how good he was last year. Um, We saw how their wide receivers really just abused our, our secondary. Um, and now they've added Logan Diggs. Um, what was he from Stanford running back? I can't remember. Uh, I'll look it uh, up while, while you talk. Yeah, he's rushing for 6.7 yards a carry and is their leading rusher. Notre um, Dame. Notre Dame. That's right. That's right. Um, so, yeah, that's just another weapon that we will probably struggle to deal with. I, I don't know. Diggs, I guess, isn't the fastest guy. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to say I haven't watched him exclusively, but my, my impression of him was that he was kind of a bruiser and that doesn't really scare me that much. Um, but obviously his, you know, success so far this season is worth noting. Um, and then yeah, Malik neighbors, their wide receiver. I'm just looking at ESPN stats. Obviously, uh, he has 523 yards through four <laughs> yeah. games, which is He's a lot. Super good. He's so uh, good. <laughs> he, he and then they also have they also have one of the best pass rushers in college football, and Harold Harold Perkins. And we have kind of a bad offensive line still. So I don't know. There's there's a lot of things that that just make me think that we're going to lose this game, and it might not be pretty. Yeah, I will say Harold Perkins has two sacks on the on the year. Um, which obviously he's great. I mean, he was a wrecking ball last season and, you know, we're only four games in. I don't want to judge the guy on that, but uh, you know, so far he hasn't been a prolific in terms of getting the result that you hope for. uh, If you're, if you're having a guy who is almost exclusively rushing the quarterback. Um, But yeah, I'm, I'm terrified of him, especially with the offensive line that he'll be, he'll be facing. Um. I did. Okay. So 
so my statistics that I, I found really interesting about LSU, um, because I think that we just always think of LSU as having this like spectacular defense. Um, on third downs, opponents are converting on third downs 50% of the time this season. That puts LSU 119th in the country out of 123 teams. Uh, I was just about to say, surely Ole Miss is worse than that, but maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I can look that up. Um, it's not super easy to uh, to get that stat right now, but um, I don't know. I just... I think that's that's fascinating. Also, uh, opponents are scoring 100% of the time that they get into the red zone against LSU. Interesting. Well, converting, I mean... Converting 80% of fourth downs against LSU. Like, man, that's just weird, right? It is weird. It is weird. Um, I think maybe their secondary is not as nearly as good as it usually is. Um I think that's kind of what I have gleaned from, I don't know, reading and watching little bits of them and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, you, they're a really good team. They're probably going to end the season in the top 10. But if you are going to draw some encouragement from their first four games, they did start out really well against Florida State and then just epically laid down and quit laid down and quit. oh yeah you could, i mean the second half was totally different in every way yeah florida state outscored lsu in the second half 31 to 7 yeah yeah really really quit against i don't know i mean florida state i think they will be a national title contender a playoff contender uh but i don't know they're probably not gonna win i don't know yeah, just interesting thing. And then, and then they had a weird squeaker in Baton Rouge against Arkansas. Yeah, Arkansas, who you know, like obviously KJ Jefferson looks like a Heisman Trophy winner when he plays Ole Miss, but like against everybody else, not so much. Uh, <laughs> and you know, scored thirty-one against their defense and uh, only lost by three. Yeah, I mean. They held Arkansas to 3.7 yards per carry. They intercepted the ball twice against Arkansas. Uh, KJ Jefferson only passed for 290. Uh, three touchdowns at a 78 QBR. Um, but yeah, 3.7 yards per carry and getting two, uh, two turnovers while only turning the ball over once themselves, like... It seems to me like it should have been easy. They averaged 6.5 yards per carry themselves. Um, <laughs> like, yeah. what What happened? How, what What happened? Yeah, that's, that's very confusing. Looking at this box score, the result doesn't make any sense. So I don't know. Maybe that game was just a total anomaly. And maybe, I don't know. To me, there's, there's a big understated component to just pace of the game, how 
different drives work out, how field position works out, how the clock works out, things that you don't really have much control over that can have a big impact on the game. And I don't know, maybe that's just one of those games where just the, the pace of the game favored Arkansas. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I'd be curious to go back and watch that. And if I get bored this week, I'll do it. Uh, but yeah, weird, weird game. So, you know, two of LSU's four games give you some cause for optimism, but the individual matchups I just don't like at all. Yeah, I I mean, I guess we can say this. Like, I expect a loss. Um, I predicted a 14-point loss to Alabama, and that's what happened. It did not get there the same way that I expected it to. Um, but, yeah, I wish I could go back and just place that bet. Um, but, yeah, LSU, I also think Ole Miss will lose um, by 10 to 14. Uh I'll say 14 again. I, yeah. I just I just think that this team hasn't shown what it needs to to be able to beat a team of, you know, a high quality. And Lane Kiffin doesn't really have upsets uh, on his on his record. Now, I guess tw- in 2020 when we went 5 and 5, like a lot of things were upsets um because the team wasn't supposed to be good. Um but, you know, upsets of, of significant caliber uh, aren't really on, on, the, on the resume. Um, and I, I say that I, I, I actually still like Lane Kiffin. Um, I think that, you know, we shouldn't be paying him $9 million, but, like, I'm still happy that he's the coach. Um, but I do look forward to eventually winning a game that I'm really, really excited how on earth did we win that game kind of thing. And that hasn't really been the case. Yeah, absolutely. And some of that is due to the increased expectations on, on him. Yeah. There are, there are fewer games that, that qualify as a big upset. Yeah. But, but yeah. And a lot of it is, I don't know. We haven't, shown up in some of these games that we expect to be big upset bids. I mean, we, we showed up against Alabama last year. We gave it our all, uh, had every chance to win that one. A lot of, you know, bad luck, bad officiating, whatever you want to call it. Uh, LSU, we had them on the ropes and then got blown out. Um, you know, that's, those are our, our main upset opportunities last year. Didn't we lead uh, 17-0 in that game? It might have been 17-3 or, or 17-7 or something. But yeah, like we were beating the hell out of them. Like, and then, and then, yeah, Jaden Daniels threw up what should have been an interception or at least, you know, a, a harmless incompletion uh, that was caught for a touchdown. And then that was all the fight we had in us pretty much. It was, it was over from there. Um, yeah, LSU won 45-20. We were up 17-3. Yeah. Yeah. 17-3. So yeah, that the the specter of that game will be hard to shake off in in my opinion uh for <laughs> for guys who were there last year. I don't know, man. That's just the kind of beating that <laughs> hard to hard to overlook. I mean, they're, you know, 
These guys are, are bigger athletes than yeah. I'll ever be, obviously. But, but yeah, yeah, obviously, like I've I've st- I've stated what the final score was and that we were up seventeen three. But for anyone who doesn't math well, that means that LSU went on a forty two to three scoring run um, for the rest of the game, starting uh, at at halftime, basically. Um, or no, sorry, starting at the 12 minute mark of the second quarter. Uh, that was, yeah, that was really, really bad. Yeah. That was maybe the lowest point of Lane Kiffin's career. I don't know. I, I'd say losing to a really, really horrific Mississippi state team was bad. Losing to Texas tech was really bad, but man, having LSU, in an enormous hole early and then it turning into a blowout loss. That's something we've never really seen before. Mm-hmm. Okay. Last question before we wrap up. So I think last week you, you had us, you had Ole Miss going nine and three. Uh, and I had us at eight and four. Um, have your expectations changed? Yeah, man, I'm gonna gonna I'm gonna go ahead and shift it down to eight and four. I still have a lot of hope for this team. Uh, they they have a lot of good pieces. We have a good quarterback. We have better coaching than we normally have with Lane Kiffin for for sure. Uh, our defense is really improving and showing some some good stuff. I think we drop this game. Obviously, we drop Georgia, and then I think we probably lose to Arkansas or Texas A&M. Yeah, I'm I'm still on the eight and four train. Uh, I think that things have to go right, but I don't know. <laughs> Some teams that I expected to be better, not world beaters, but better, have looked not good and not better. <laughs> um, and so I think that I'm not going to name names yet. We'll see. We'll see what happens when we get to those games. But. Uh, as of now, like there are more teams that I am pretty confident Ole Miss will beat. Uh, and the games that I sort of thought were likely losses are, I'm more confident that they are definite losses. Uh, but that still actually shakes out to the same record. So I still have us going 8 and 4. That was a long answer to say 8 and 4. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, but you know, we'll see. Um, I think that this week, against LSU could go a long way in changing our, our thoughts around that uh, with, with many different outcomes. Um, I don't think that unless, uh, unless a lot loss was like a huge blowout loss, I don't think that it could uh, change my perception of it going down. Um, But I think that a moral victory type of loss could inch me back up to the nine and three range. Uh, if I was feeling, feeling antsy. Yeah, I agree. All right. Until then we're signing off. Position where you can afford to make defensive calls that tailor specifically to him that, that are easy for him to remember and, and read uh and still have success i mean things like things like spying the quarterback going on you know blitzes 
doing a you know run blitz or whatever like simple assignments just like give him something where he can do something disruptive and that's seems to be doing great at it Yeah, Milrow's an athletic guy too. Like he, his intermediate passing game is very bad, but he is a super athlete. Uh, and we didn't really let him kill us with his legs. And like you said, Perkins just like hunted him down like he was like an NFL quarterback from the eighties. You know, like <laughs> just like immediately, you know, stop it. I mean, it was cool to see. Yeah, I'd agree. And honestly, like I've I've noticed Coleman all season as making some some flashy plays. Uh I mean, not an expert, but to me he seems like our best overall linebacker and then probably Perkins right behind him. I mean, and I think I think that's starting to show in the rotation as well. I know I know Coleman and Perkins were on the field in the during the first drive. Uh, I think both started, um, and that's shoot, man. I think they're our two best. They're certainly our physically two best. Uh, Coleman, if you remember, um, was projected to be like a, a high draft pick as as kind of a you know pass rushing outside linebacker. Um, you know, when he was set to transfer to Ole Miss, he was like a guy that we were thinking was going to be like insanely good. Um, and I don't think he's that good, but I think his physical potential is still there.
Yeah, I mean, that's a very difficult question. I think Lane Kiffin is is our best bet at head coach, but sometimes it frustrates me because it it seems like he doesn't he doesn't feel the need to prove himself or to prove his worth or something. It's, it's hard to put into words exactly, but I don't know. It's a coach we're paying top five or whatever money to. And it's like, Oh, well, well, you know, we just, we weren't very good this week. I guess we'll, we'll go get them next time. You know, we have these serious issues that I will maybe, maybe not address over the off season or, you know, whatever. It just, kind of a nonchalance about non I'm not saying he need, he needs to be this like rageaholic coach who thinks football is the most important thing in the universe because that's not the case and that's kind of one of the things that I like about him but I think sometimes he takes it a little too far I don't know it, it just seems like it was a, a very flat effort for such an important game and it didn't really seem to bother him that much that it was such a flat effort Yeah. Have you, have you ever seen that work? Like, I don't know. I, to me, whenever I see it, it's like a highlight of like, look, this comical disaster of a play. Uh, yeah, no, no. How, like how much practice time did you waste on that particular look? You know, I mean, 